are now listening to The Awakened Soul. Welcome to episode 16 of The Awakened Soul. 16 episodes, people. For a podcast that I started, I didn't know what was going to come of it. I didn't know how it was going to be taken. I didn't know how you guys were going to feel about it. Um, we're 16 episodes deep. The uh, listeners keep growing and growing. The download numbers just keep rising every week. I don't think we've had a down week yet of downloads. It's 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 humbling, and I keep saying that. I mean, that's the best way to describe the experience of this podcast is that it has been extremely humbling and a lot, a lot of fun. And speaking of fun, this podcast is going to be a lot of fun. This episode, um, we got Andrew Bello coming in to talk about some Little Wayne in the Cipher segment. Um, we also have a special segment that I've been wanting to do for a while, special stay woke segment on mental health. And this segment is preparing you for next week episode, which is completely about mental health. I'm, I'm very excited for next week's episode. Um, it, like I said, it, it, we got about um, an hour of me interviewing Dr. Earlise Ward, who is a uh, licensed psychologist coming out the University of Wisconsin. Um, that's next week, though. As far as this week, like I said, we got Andrew Bello. We got Dr. Amber Thornton from a different perspective podcast in the Stay Woke segment. And then um, we also have our first sports segment I've, I've talked about sports a few times on this podcast but it's always been in the um off the rip segment where i just kind of generally talk about sports this one is talking about uh the first couple of days of the nba season specifically the gordon haywood injury and what that may mean i have my good friend jason who is a huge celtics fan coming aboard to talk about that so we're going to go ahead get into our wonderful intro music and on the other side of that we're going to get into a brief off the dome segment with ceo Hayes. So, preparing for this podcast this week, um, it, it was it was a little difficult. Um, I, I, I a because I had this planned stay woke segment, which is all about um, mental health, and like I said, wetting that palate for the mega podcast on mental health you're going to get next week, um, and. It just, you know, I, I, I tried to figure out how I was going to surround this podcast and what I was going to fill it with. I didn't want anything to take away um, from the seriousness and, and just the quality that's in that uh, Stay Woke segment this week. But, you know, this is The Awakened Soul. And even though we're called The Awakened Soul, I like to think we have a lot of fun here. We, we, we have segments that are purely fun and entertaining. And then we have things that you take away and you're supposed to think a little bit more about. And, um... So there, there's there's a different dynamic in this podcast, yeah, and you know, I mean, that's that's what we're here for. I want to hit every area now to speak about that. Um, to, to go off the fun, what did you guys think about the special episode, the Love, Lust, and Badass Soul episode that was released this past Wednesday? I had a lot of fun recording that one. It was a completely different feel. Um, and you know, the the fan response for the first question segment well the episode was called questions and uh you know the 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 love lust and and badass soul was kind of the evolution 
of that episode. And, you know, I hope you guys got the announcement at the end of that episode that's now spinning off into its own podcast. Um, so yeah, let me know what you think about it. Keep sending in that feedback. Uh, and fellas, fellas, you guys got to step it up. Like the women are killing you guys on feedback. Like I hear from more women. No, well, of course, with the love and lust, uh, episode, we, we've heard a lot, um, back from that, but, Fellas, I need I need my fellas to be more represented in this feedback. You guys got to get back to me. I will say the fellas, however, killing the women in the reviews on iTunes. I get more reviews from fellas on iTunes than than women. So I mean, you guys just step it up in those respective areas. But uh, to to kind of bring bring back the focus in this off the dome segment, I put out a question on social media this week, and it was if you had one question to ask God. What would you ask? And I mean, I'm a lot of the questions were, you know, the typical ones of why'd you take a loved one away from me? Um, and, and stuff like that. You know, that, that's that's typically what you would kind of expect from a question like that. Not not really expect, but that's that's what you get a lot from that. Um, you know, we got some other ones about uh, what what why did God chose me? Um that was just that one. No, no follow with that one. Um, do I deserve the blessings that I've, that I received? What am I doing wrong in life that I'm not seeing myself? Um, you know, I mean, uh, how does, how does God exist? And the thing is, is I, I kind of steer away from usually talking about religion on the podcast because you know, it, 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 religion does turn some people away. Um, but you know that question why not religious it was more of a just what would you ask if 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 you do believe in god if you don't if if when you pass away god does exist which i believe he does and you have one question to ask and what would that be um and so we i did get i did get one that that was pretty interesting to me and it was why does he allow for evil to exist that was that was a pretty deep one to be a hundred percent honest. I'm not even going to lie. That one was pretty. And, uh, the, the person that left that comment, um, I, we, we, we started communicating and, and got into a conversation back and forth. No, no drama or anything like that. But, um, you know, my answer to that is, and this is just the way I look at it. I can't answer it because I don't know, but I'm just giving my perspective as, as a religious person on it is that God allows for evil to exist and specifically Satan so that we can choose to do the right thing. If, if evil did not exist and we did not make the active choice to be good, then it wouldn't really be a choice. He did give us free will. So that's, that's kind of my answer on that one. Um, I just, I just wanted to put that out there. Let me know if you guys aren't following me on social media, you heard that question. Get at me. Let me know what you think about that one. Um, but to, to get it back home, what, what for me, and I didn't answer this specifically on social media because I wanted to answer it here on this podcast. If I had one question to ask the higher power and he had to answer it, or she or, or whatever, however you want to look at it. If, if God had to answer the question, it would simply be because God has such a divine plan. I think we all have a place in what his overall plan is. I just want to know what was the part I played in your plan? That's it. What was, what was the part what, what cog did, was I in your overall plan? I just want to know that. Was it something that I did specifically? Was it so something that my kids would would do specifically? Is it someone something as far reaching as will my grandkids do something that will affect somebody else that they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me? I just want to know. But you know that that's that's the question I put out there. I'm gonna to try to do something like that more often where I just 
put out a question out there and just see what you guys feel about it. And we'll talk about it off the dome every week. So definitely follow me for that at CEO Hayes. That's at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. People, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into the podcast proper. That is uh, the first segment is going to be our sports segment with Jason uh andrews who's a huge celtics fan i wanted to bring him on specifically because of the injury that happened to gordon haywood so we're going to get into brief intro music brief music it's not really intro music is it (laughs) but brief music and then on the other side of that is a conversation with me and jason Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, I know you, I told you guys, I told you guys that basketball season was right around the corner and be prepared because I was probably going to start this podcast off with some basketball talk. And so I'm sitting watching uh, the opening night game and everything that happened there with the injury to Gordon Haywood. And I had to bring somebody on who's familiar with the Celtics. So for the first time on the Awakened Soul podcast, we're welcoming Jason Andrews to the Awakened Soul. Jason, what's going on? Uh, not too much, man. How are you? I'm doing all right for the most part. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. My team has yet to play, but I know my team's going to suck this whole year, probably for the next five. Uh, so I'm just just enjoying the NBA season for what it's worth. What about you? How do you how do you feel about before we talk about the injury and all the craziness? How, how do you feel about the NBA season starting back? Well, I I was extremely excited uh, going into the season. Usually opening night isn't uh, isn't as big of a deal for me, but I was uh, highly anticipating the the matchup, mostly because of the the Kyrie LeBron thing. But I just wanted to see the team play outside of the um, outside of the preseason. I want to see how they brought it all together. Um, And I mean, before the injury they look sharp. I, they, I mean, it was is the beginning of any basketball game goes. It's pretty high tested. Uh, not too much actually happening. But uh, I was also downstairs, like in my my gym and uh, on the treadmill at the same time. So I was doing two things at the same time. And then I, I briefly looked up. And that's, of course, when I heard the announcers, I think it was Marv Albert saying, oh, that's a broken leg. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? This cannot be happening at right now. Um, but, you know, before that, again, I was uh, I was really interested uh, to see how the team would play. And I think I think with without Hayward, this team is going to be um, way better than last year. I think there's no question about it, and um, uh, we'll see where where it goes from there, at least. Yeah, and I mean, so I mean, you 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 pretty much said what happened to Gordon Haywood is on that first game of the season. Um, I mean, now I mean, looking at it, Kyrie did he he wanted his own team, so to say. Um, but even more so than that, Jalen Brown looked great last night, and Jason Tatum he didn't he didn't look too shabby himself. So you guys do have some wings there who are hopefully ready to step in. Um, and, you know, I don't think any one player is going to really fill the void that Gordon Hayward leaves, but maybe Tatum, Tatum and, and um, Brown can do it together. But you have to think that they're going to be trying to go after a vet or something like that. It's, 
the team already needed a, probably another center now that they're missing mm-hmm. such a such a big wing. Um, I don't know. That, that just worries me a little bit. I still think they're going to make the playoffs for sure. I still think maybe that knocks them down from the second best team in the East, but I still think they're in the top four, top five. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I have a very hard time committing to, to things like that. I, 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 I would say just wait a couple more games to, to see. Right now they're playing, uh, as we're talking, they're playing uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, um, who are giving them a, some problems down low, which has always been an issue for the Celtics. You know, if, as far as I can remember, we haven't really had dominant center position. We've, we've had, you know, big, big players. And, and, and uh, like we, we had Amir Johnson, but we didn't really get the best Amir Johnson. He had, had his moments, of course. But I think this team is despite not being tall their athleticism will help a lot in in guarding down the post uh i think jalen brown obviously still has a little bit to do a little bit of work to do to put on that strength that he's going to need to guard guys like lebron and then other people in the post um but i i I have confidence him in him excuse me uh i think that he's going to step up big time i i i know tatum's going to have a good year i I actually think after watching his his performance that that you could be the the one speculation I will make is that he he can probably and may win rookie of the year. I I do not know how how the rest of the the rookie class is going to pan out, but I I think double-double in your first NBA game is pretty significant. Even though it wasn't high-scoring numbers, he still made double-double and I think that's really a really good sign for Boston and he's he's already playing with with the confidence of a pro. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I agree with you there. Go ahead. I was I was a bit disheartened to hear um, both Charles Barkley and and uh, Shaquille O'Neal both say that now the Celtics are just a regular team or they're the same team as last year. And and I I, I still think uh, I don't think we saw the you know the best version of Kyrie. I, he he was playing very uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I wouldn't. He was. Pl- he's playing point position for the beginning of the game last night. He was definitely not winging up as much shots as I think I may have expected him to th- to throw up. And then third quarter and on, he he was a scoring machine. So it's uh, it's definitely possible that uh, that this the surface is only scratched. I I think that they're probably going to stay second best team in the East if I had to guess. Um, but they're you know they're my team and I have a lot of confidence in them. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in, in which you should like. I mean, you guys have one of the best coaches in the league, um, and the and the way that he builds his offensive system is is in a way where yes, you need that one dominant scorer, but everyone else is so fluid. All you need is people to be able to hit open shots and pass the ball around until somebody gets open. And if Brown plays the way he does, he did last night, and I mean, you still have to give. Uh, Stevens' time to now redo the offensive system. Obviously, it was built around Hayward and and Kyrie together, and I, I have yep. faith that he's going to be able to figure out a way to keep these guys um, at the top level offense. And you still have Kyrie, who is just an ace offensively. Um, so yeah, I still have a lot of faith for this team. It just how how fast they can get it together after losing uh, Hayward is going to be. Uh, telling in how the rookies or the young the young guys can step up, and Marcus Smart too showed a lot to me last night more than what i was kind of expecting out of him um offensively defensively he's a beast um so i i, I have a lot of faith still but boston's my pick to come out the east now i'm a little more hesitant to, to pick that now losing Hay- hayward but we'll see how the season continues to go 
Yeah, I still haven't gotten the the full official. I, I, he's been Hayward has been completely diagnosed. Um, it looks like a pretty bad fracture. It wasn't like a very. I have I've never hurt myself like that in any way. I've had like you know some minor ankle injuries, but I've never had anything that significant happen to me. So I don't really I I can't speak on it too confidently, but. Um, I saw a diagram in a little sports journal on online that's that, that basically said that his ankle sort of like went in a couple of different directions and some fragments came off here, some fragments came off there. And so he's going to have to have it surgically repaired. But the article did say that there is a potential window for him to come back by the end of the year. I don't know um, if I, I if I had to suggest I wouldn't I would definitely not rush it because this dude's on a big contract right now and uh and uh actually i saw this also this very positive and and almost guru like message from kobe bryant on twitter to gordon hayward and it was very very well spoken or you know well written rather and uh just sort of telling him to take his time enjoy the little victories and i thought that, that was pretty cool as well but <clears throat> you know if i had to guess that timetable is is uh He's probably out for the season. Maybe if they make the playoffs, he will come back. And and and, and not if they make the playoffs, but when playoffs t- times rolls around. I think they're you know definitely definitely number one to to number three out of the East. And and uh, Brad Stevens will figure it out. And this team will. They, they the the one thing that they had last year that they seem to continue showing is their heart. And I, and that's the the thing that that I was worried about with Isaiah, missing Isaiah because he brought a lot of passion and a lot of heart what he lacked in size and strength. He certainly made up for times 10 with with his his energy and his passion. And I think like you had said you had mentioned Marcus Smart, he has a lot of heart and he is a he's a beast. Um he just can't shoot the ball very well. And he's he's definitely working on it. He dropped significant amount of weight. Um, so I think you're going to see that that shape out too. So yeah, I mean, I, so uh, just really quickly, a question for you: Who's your team? Uh, unfortunately, my team since birth has been the Chicago Bulls. My dad's from Chicago, so it's always been the Bulls for me. Um, yeah, and it's it's a depressing time in in Chicago land, but uh, <laughs> I'm just looking forward I to the number that, one. I pick. heard uh, Bobby Portis pieced up uh, pieced up their center or uh, about eight. They said eight times they punched him in the face, fractured fractured something on his face. They're not maybe not fractured, but busted up his eye. Yeah, he uh, he punched. That? Yeah, he punched Miritich, and I well everything I read said that it was. It was one hit. Now, so if they if but that was speculation. If it's been updated since then, I haven't seen it. But he broke two bones in Miritich's face, and he got he got suspended eight games. Oh, that's right, that's right. I'm sorry, yeah. he got suspended eight games. So if he only hit him once, broke two bones in his face, he's got some firepower. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the thing the thing with that is, and it came out is that those two have kind of always had a thing, and it, it didn't come out till now. Um, but more the the thing that's scariest about that to me is that. It just screams that this team has no veteran leadership because veterans being there would not allow that to get to that point. And, you know, it's a young team. And it's unfortunately, we have a coach that doesn't seem like much of a leader himself. So that's the more concerning thing to me is you have such a young team and it's like, all right, how these guys developing and, and turning into men and leaders and no one thought to stop that when they were getting chippy. Like, I mean, I understand if it was one sucker punch, you can't stop it. But. I mean, by all accounts, it seems like it's been known that these two have a problem against uh, with each other for a while. Well, I mean, 
I hope that that this this uh, at least is over now. I think the 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 power of a of a punch like that can be um, quite significant. Meaning that you know maybe that's it. Maybe now that it's all laid out on the table, it's not it's not going to be. Maybe there won't be any beef anymore. Maybe it's been settled. But you'll see. I guess in the in the chemistry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all at this point in Chicago. It's all about developing the young guys. Uh, Zach Levine, when he comes back, what is he actually a friend, a franchise type player? Um, I have my doubts there. I think he can be maybe a, maybe a second best player on the team. Uh, definitely a third, which he was in in Minnesota. So if we get the number one pick and and we nail that, I mean, I think we can have a solid base. I don't think we'll be making the playoffs anytime soon. But then again, you never know in the East. But uh, it, it's it's all about building, seeing what we have in guys like Valentine, Chris Dunn, uh, our rookie Laurie um, Laurie Markinen. So I mean, we it's it's a I think our average age is like twenty four. I don't even know if we breach twenty five is the average age of the team. So it just tells you how young we are. And overall, I just want to see everybody develop. And yeah, I mean the, the the what with uh, with what we you know that we sort of did in Boston is very similar. You know that they, they they went very very low in age significantly and they are still there but um i i the veteran presence is always needed so if there's a you know a really strong veteran presence on a team i think the celtics getting al horford was one of those things where i wasn't too excited about it off the top i knew he was going to bring and he was going to bring you know something and he was going to produce but he's really sort of brought this veteran presence to the locker room that they needed significantly since paul pierce's departure <clears throat> sure I, I agree with you there they um the al horford was there and it, it's i think now me, me and you talked about this before like market smart is the most tenured celtic so uh yep. at least it is somebody with heart and it is he is somebody who seems very coachable so you know that that'll go through and i think Kyrie is very coachable too and open um you know you hear all the jokes about him being woke now uh but no seriously he, he, he likens himself to kobe as far as like how he approaches the game and i think that uh i think he's gonna flourish in boston but um before before i let you go we have to do our way too early picks for the nba season so if oh, you God. had to pick <laughs> i know it's way too early but if you had to pick Somebody coming out the West, coming out the East. Who is it right now? Oh well, I mean, I again, I don't. I don't. <clears throat> this is tough for me because the way that the teams stack up, it's it's usually pretty obvious to me. I, there's a lot of teams that have all the parts, right? That that are gonna make that could make it make it through the playoffs, make it to the finals quite easily. I don't think it's more obvious than than Cleveland and and Golden State again. I feel like unfortunately that, that might be where we're headed. I I I I also think that there's a possibility Houston. I think Houston adding Chris Paul to their lineup that again the the the, the analysts on uh on TNT last night were were kind of just saying, you know, they're pretty much still the same team and you know obviously it's yet to be seen, but um I think it's it'll probably out of the west it'll be either Houston or Golden State and and I th- I, I don't know it's it's tough to to uh, unless LeBron goes down with an injury it's really tough to to bet against him I I really I I I think he is like significantly the best basketball player of all time and and at this point I'm not even sure that it's it's close uh I and I watch a lot of basketball and I, and, I, and like I'm not trying to make a controversial statement i just don't think there's ever been a basketball player as dominant as him and 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 the things that he can do he he does not just can do but the things that he does 
um, even just the little things, the way he passes, the way he gets back on D. He's got so much explosiveness. Um, and, you know, I, I have to think that Cleveland's coming coming for Golden State, and I think that's kind of where it ends up. How about you? Yeah, I think it's going to be Cleveland and Golden State again. I think Houston does have a chance. They looked very good last night, and they still have, you know, to find their balance as well. Um, I mean, it's good they had Chris Paul in there, all the training camp. I just, I just don't see anyone now that Gordon Hayward's down beating Cleveland. I mean, he is the best player in the game, the best player of a generation, and uh, it's, it's been proven he can get to the finals pretty much with almost anything built around him. And if Isaiah mm-hmm. comes back and plays at even eighty percent of how he played last night, I mean, not last night, last last year, then yeah, yeah they're 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 uh, definitely going to the finals, and I even give them a higher chance to to beat Golden State than I did last year if Isaiah is on fire like he was last year. Yeah, absolutely. And and just one more thing about about Cleveland. Derrick Rose played very well last night. Like he he did some some things that I didn't expect. I you know, he's so injury prone that I I picture this this man, you know, walking on eggshells basically and he's he's he played uh very hard uh in the game last night and he did, I mean he wasn't a game changer but it, at least at the beginning of the game, he was very significant in, in helping Cleveland build that lead. Um, so with him, hopefully healthy for Cleveland, you know, if he stays stays good, the, 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 it's I, I just I don't see how you can bet against them. I, I I trust in Isaiah Thomas, and he does things that that he should just not be able to do. Um, and uh, you know, size is pretty significant, but but he's going to be able to open up a lot of different shot opportunities for. Even Kevin Love, you know, he, Isaiah goes into the paint and and people on the wing be, become open. That's just what that's that's kind of what we do. And then, thankfully, he can finish if he wants to as well. So that's, I think they're uh, they're pr- pr- pretty much a lock as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, and the thing that that's been that was promising about Derrick Rose is he played solid last night. Even even if he was your starter, but he's he's supposed to be off the bench and just imagine him doing that kind of leading that second unit and getting those guys in rhythm. Um, it, it, it could be dangerous. Like uh, Cleveland has a bench now. Once everyone's healthy and back in place, their bench, especially with Crowder too, is just a, a nice mix of offense and defense, depending on who they're matched up against. And I, I like the balance there. J.R. Smith's coming off the bench now too. So Cleveland's dangerous and, and I'm giving them full credit. They are dangerous. If LeBron can't win the, the title this year in Cleveland, I, I think he's probably going to leave, which is already speculated. Mm. That's a uh, that's the uh, uh, the thing about like you know I guess being a, a, a new basketball fan I've been a, a, a fan all my life but I've sort of gotten more passionate about it as I've gotten older and started following the team and the one following you know the league but one thing I don't really like is is the opting out and going to different different you know <clears throat> cities if it doesn't work for for one year you know what I mean and like he's been I, I think that the stat was seven seven finals in a row or seven maybe seven conference championships in a row I, I can't remember back but he's he's always there so no matter what team he's on he's pretty much always in the in the picture either way and you're just not gonna win every year 
I mean, the Golden State put together a team specifically to beat the Cavs, and they did it. Um, now it, it seems like the Cavs are putting together a team specifically to one up them, and that's what kind of what kind of league it seems like. But there's so many amazing basketball players um, and and athletes in the NBA. It's it's I I really wish that the the focus was more on on uh, you know the game itself and not not like the all star teams that these people are building. Um, but either way, it's still really it's fun to watch a team like Cleveland, who's basically essentially an all star team, and they're like they're starting five, you know. So I, I, I uh, and Golden State as well. They're they're nasty. I'm not I, I'm not a big Golden State fan. Um, I'm a fan of of the three ball, but I think they just abuse the shit out of it. And excuse me if I if I swore, but I don't know the rules of the podcast, but if they they abuse the the heck out of it, um, that's always been something that kind of got on my nerves. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the three ball is just becoming uh, and you you hear they a lot a lot of analysts talk about the fact now that coaches are coaching to the fact of get rid of the mid range shot, either take a take a three or go to the rim with it. And I don't really like that. I mean, I I come from old school basketball where the mid range is where you kill people at. Like if you were able to get open in the mid range, um, but I, I like Golden State. I, I love watching them play ball. I love Stephen Curry. I love Kevin Durant. Um, I wasn't one who kind of fell off Kevin Durant's bandwagon just because he went to Golden State. So I enjoy them, but just for the game and for, to keep, for it to stay interesting, I'm just I don't want to see any team go to the finals that many times in a row, especially if they're facing the same team. Like this would be the fourth year of seeing these teams again. No, the third year. I'm sorry of seeing these teams. No, it is the fourth year, right? Yeah, it's the fourth year of seeing these teams in the finals if they were if they were to make it and it's just ridiculous that's that's not good for any fan yeah i mean you can compare it to wrestling too i mean you know we've talked about it before but it's the same same argument as like the you know the randy orton john cena the only difference is that you know the the wrestling it's, it's you know that's already predetermined so that like that there's not e- there's even less of an excuse for it you know but i think that they're they're still the way that they stack these teams they're basically trying to predetermine what where they're going you know and I'm only only subtle uh, or, or you know, missteps in the road will change the course. But from the beginning of the year, I think there's no doubt in the in the the mind of Cleveland or Golden State that those are the two teams that are going to be meeting, and they're planning far in advance to do it. So, yeah, and you could just tell, like Golden um, State last night, to an extent, they almost don't care about the regular season. Like there was times where both um, uh, Steph. <sighs> Clay and Kevin were all on the bench, and at the, I don't think that happened any last season. Like one of those three and four, when you when you count Green, were always in the game. And you know when you see all three of them sitting on the bench, it just it's like okay, I, I see what you guys are doing. Yeah, <laughs> but I think um, it's smart. I mean, I I I, I think it's smart. Like I, you don't need to to it's game one. You know, I, I I've always been a big fan of giving your your team plenty of rest. That's how they stay healthy. So if they, you know, if they're built and they're confident, that's the other thing is that like the, the, the way that they play basketball, they can, they can come back within minutes if they need to, if they, they just, you know, they put Curry and Clay Thompson on the floor together and you know, they come back within minutes. Yeah, it's I mean, you're pretty right. disgusting how, how, how good they are. I yeah. guess yeah. it's scary. They're, they're, quite possibly the best basketball team ever assembled i mean and that this uh, this is coming from a bulls fan who had michael jordan for years and we had we went 72 and 10 it's 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 scary how good they are like even the bulls had their 
weaknesses. When Golden State's going, they have no weaknesses on either side of the ball, and that's scary. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe Steve Kerr is the the factor in all of that because Steve Kerr was. I don't know if he was on that particular squad that that seventy two and ten, but he was a Bulls guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. He was on the second three peat, so I think he was on the seventy two and ten team. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's he's the one thing linking <laughs> linking everything <laughs> together. So uh, yeah, crazy. That's, crazy it's something that bewilders me. It it, it it like bewilders me, like because when I was growing up, like it, with the uh, Stephen Curry's dad, Del Curry, like, they, like, I, I don't know how you ever would have watched Del Curry's game and expected that his offspring was going to be as amazing at basketball as he was, or he is. There's two of them too, right? He has another son who's in the league, but just not, not even near the the same kind of player. Yeah, Seth Curry. Yeah, he's he's on the Mavericks, and he had when he first came to the NBA, he looked like a bust, and he's slowly been putting his game together. He's nothing like Steph, but uh, he's pretty good too. He's still a, a quality shooter. Even 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 Steph's first couple of years, who would have thought he would turn into what he is now? Like he's just yeah. like literally, he he's one of those people. And you, the saying's been done for a while in basketball. When you say they have in the gym range, the moment they step in the gym, they're in range to make a basket. But Steph truly is that. Like some of the shots he's hit at half court with no effort, <laughs> it's just been ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 something else for sure. He it's a he's he, he must shoot like in his sleep. You know they say that all the time. Sometimes it's like he can he can make free throw in sleep. I would actually I would put money on that one for him. <laughs> Absolutely. But as we get ready to bring this to a wrap, Jason, tell the people where they can find you and also uh yeah where they can find your podcast as well. Well, we, uh, I, I am actually on Twitter as my podcast, uh, so at Strong Stylecast on Twitter. The we, uh, me and Mike, uh, we we break down New Japan, uh, mostly the big events, um, but we talk New Japan uh, pretty much every week. Um, we had a little bit of inconsistency over the summer, but we're we're trying to come, you know, close it out strong. This the uh, so if you're a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling check it out um and we uh we don't really post too much on twitter to be honest we do a lot of retweeting and stuff like that but um it's it's a a method we use to to keep in contact with other people um but uh that's where you find us and we have a a strong style central facebook group um you can request we we do a lot of discussion in there as well um but you have to request to be added so if you want to be added you got to find us at strong style cast on facebook or sorry at strong style cast on twitter and then the strong style central podcast on uh facebook group um and that is it thank you for inviting me on oh thank you anytime especially short notice i i definitely appreciate it we'll bring you back to talk more basketball probably maybe a third into the season as we see where the celtics sit at and uh definitely I'll, i'll invite you back on so thank you for that Awesome. All right. Well, uh, have a good rest of your podcast. All right, people. Me and Jason have been on the same podcast network for basically a year and a half. And while we've shared many conversations, that was our first time podcasting together. So uh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of interesting talk. And I want to say before we move on, thank you for all everyone who just keeps sending me messages about the Bulls and how bad they suck and trying to reassure me. I appreciate the love. I really do. But I was prepared the season for them to suck as bad as they were. Marketing's look good, though. So I I, I like that as well. Um, <laughs> Let's go ahead. We're going to transition into our 
Stay Woke segment, which is, uh, like I said, it's about mental health featuring Dr. Amber Thornton from a different perspective podcast. Let's go ahead and get into the music. Other side of that, that's that good old Stay Woke segment. Uh, Let me know what you guys think about this one. Stay Woke. Stay Woke. Stay Woke. Stay Woke. Stay Woke. Listeners, we got a, a very... A very special segment uh, that we're getting ready to get into, and I want to welcome for the first time in the awakening so Dr. Amber Thornton, host of a Different Perspective podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. So uh, again, thank you for joining me. And um, before we end this segment, I'll definitely uh, want you to plug your podcast so people can know where to reach out to you and find you at. Um, but we are here to discuss. Uh, a few topics on, on mental health uh, as it pertains to the African-American community specifically. And um, I mean, are you ready to jump right into it? But before we jump into it, just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and um, what a different perspective podcast is all about. Yeah. So I am a clinical psychologist. I um, went to school for clinical psychology. I got a bachelor's in psychology and then I got my doctorate degree in clinical psychology. Um, and after that process, I went ahead and got licensed in the state to become a, a clinical psychologist. And so what that means is primarily what I do is provide things, um, such as therapy. Um, my degree and license also qualifies me to do things like psychological testing or any psychological consultation. But right now I primarily just do therapy at a university in Tennessee. Um, but on the side, I do a different perspective podcast. I also have a website where I like to write and blog about different mental health, um, mental health topics or aspects, but a different perspective podcast. I created that because I, I noticed that in the media and also in the academic world too, there's just not a lot of spaces that are dedicated to, uh, the mental health of people of color or oppressed groups or minority groups. So a different perspective is, you know, a space for me to talk about mental health as it pertains to these specific communities. And I I really appreciate and like doing that and getting that information. And I've gotten a lot of feedback that, you know, people really enjoy hearing that, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's something in our culture, in our community um, that it's it's difficult for people to talk about and maybe even admit that there may be something going on to where they do need to you know, seek out talking to a professional. I think that especially with black men, um, it's, it's like a sign of weakness to do so. And I don't, to a certain extent, I, I guess I get that. But at the end of the day, you know, our mental health, how do, how do, how can we be in a position to lead and take care of our families if we're not making sure we're together mentally? So, I mean, kind of piggyback off that. Um, just, just let, let's start from the root, the, the hesitation to seek out help in, in our community, in our culture, what do you think contributes to that? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that there, there are a lot of things that I think contribute to it. Um, two things that I have in mind, I think throughout our history, Black people specifically have been taught and socialized to be strong people. And like we've gone through things that require us to be tough. We have to be strong. We have to um, develop certain skills that other groups didn't have to because of uh, the things that we went through. So we are a very resilient group of people and we take pride in that. And so I think that's a really good thing. But with that, there is a shame and a hesitancy to acknowledge when sometimes we aren't doing well. It's just really hard for us as a group to acknowledge that sometimes we do need help. 
or sometimes we can be vulnerable because for us that feels like something's wrong with us. So I think that's one thing that kind of gets in the way is we don't like to feel like we don't have it together um, because we take pride in being able, being able to do that. And so, you know, a lot of the times in our families or in our communities, we'll say things to each other like, you know, you just got to keep going or you just got to push through or you got to pray about it, not realizing that sometimes there are underlying things that require additional support, additional help, maybe talking to a counselor. And that doesn't mean that you are not strong. It just means that you're human, you know, and you need some support. But I think another thing that kind of gets in the way, too, is that, um, especially in American culture, we oftentimes look at mental health as something that is a white thing. We, we think that it's something that only white people do or only white people have those problems. And oftentimes in the mental health profession, there are mostly white clinicians. And so there is a lot of mistrust around the idea of doing something that is white or going to a white professional. We just don't trust that. And so I think that that creates a huge barrier sometimes too for us to even think about how mental health pertains to us too. Absolutely. And so, I mean, you you did bring up our um, Caucasian counterpoints and how does you know, mental health that like, is it, is it more prevalent, so to say in the African-American community? Um, and uh, forgive me for, you know, my lack of knowledge there, but how does, how does the African-American community compare to the white community as far as seeking mental health? Yeah. So yes, mental health illness or mental health challenges are more prevalent in the black community, even though what we see is that the white communities tend to utilize those services a little bit more frequently. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reasons why we see mental health issues being more prevalent in the black community is not because it's because we're black. It's not a thing of like, oh, you're black, so you're, you know, you're born this way, you're going to have these things. But the way that I think about that and look at that is just because being a black person in America specifically or a person of color, there are additional stresses. There are um, there's discrimination. There's oppression. There are a lot of roadblocks, roadblocks that get in the way, and so those things weigh on your mental health. Um, being in a country or in a space um, and feeling like you don't belong, or maybe feeling like people don't treat you the same or experiencing discrimination or oppression, that weighs on your mental health. And I think that is the reason, those are the reasons why we tend to see mental health, um, mental health, mental illnesses and mental health challenges be more prevalent in these communities because there are a lot more challenges that these communities have. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, so is like, of, of what's typically diagnosed is um, depression. I, I know it has to be high on that list. Um yeah. And so is it is it mainly built around depression or what other types of mental health uh, illnesses affect uh, the black community? Mm-hmm. All of them do. But I'll, I'll give you some of the more common ones. Okay. Uh, depression is a huge one. Depression and anxiety are the two most common mental health um, challenges that we see in any community you know, depression and anxiety. But some others that I see are bipolar disorder, um, often seen in the black community, in addition to other communities too. Um, post-traumatic stress disorder, 
It's a really common one, and that just comes whenever you experience some sort of traumatic event um, and you don't have the resources or the coping skills to cope. And so you might then um, receive a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder, schizophrenia, or other psychotic disorders are things that are prevalent in the community. Um, So those are some of the more common ones. Okay. Okay, and, and then based off the coping, so what what are some of the things that, that you've seen or run into with um, people who have been hesitant to seek out professional help initially? Like, what are some of the coping mechanisms that um, that are used that end up maybe adversely affecting um, anyone who's, who's suffering from that type of thing? Yep. The, one of the biggest ones is self-medicating with things like alcohol and marijuana. Um, and I know people have their different opinions about alcohol and especially marijuana. Um, and I don't really feel that strongly about whether people use it or not. But I do know that when people have untreated and undiagnosed uh, mental health disorders, a lot of the times we will use marijuana particularly and alcohol to either bring us down or to bring us up a bit to kind of even out our moods. Um, when the whole time that is because of some sort of underlying mental health disorder. Absolutely. So is a huge thing that I see a lot, especially with marijuana. With marijuana, oftentimes people use that to cope with anxiety. You know, okay. people, they want to chill out. They want to, you know, be calm. They need to sleep. That's anxiety. So that's a big one that I see a lot. Absolutely. And so, um, like what trying to think how i want to word this as far as like in this is a touchy subject and i wanted i was hesitant if i was gonna you know dive into this or not but i I definitely think i'd be doing a disservice if i didn't at least ask so suicide rates how how often or what what how often is is because of undiagnosed or or wrong coping mechanisms does suicide come into effect in the african-american community Mm -hmm. so um, I don't have the correct stats with me right now, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe later I can give you a place where your listeners can go to actually look at the current stats. But with suicide, so the one thing that I will say, people who die by suicide more likely than not have some sort of mental health condition that made them more likely to die by suicide, whether it be depression. A lot of the times it's depression. Um, We see suicide deaths with bipolar disorder often. Um, So with that, what the research and the data shows us is that um, white people are more likely to die by suicide, but people in black and African-American communities do also die by suicide. In black and African-American communities specifically, Um, Black men are more likely to die by suicide. Black women are more likely to attempt suicide, but they don't die as often because they don't use as lethal of means. And the other thing that we're recently learning in the last year or so is that we are seeing suicide deaths increase in black youth. And so that is something that is a new trend that we have not seen ever. We've never seen... um, Black youth suicide death, um, the rate be higher than other youth groups. And so now that's what we're seeing. And it's something for us to think about because I think a lot of the times what I've noticed is that black communities, we take pride in the fact that, you know, in our community, we don't die as 
by suicide as much as like the white community. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen people, you know, feel kind of prideful about that and they, and they kind of imply that that means that we're a stronger group of people. But I feel like that is such a misstep to, to say that because one, we are dying by suicide and two, our youth are dying a lot faster now. And so we really need to switch our mindset to really kind of figure out, okay, well, what's happening with our youth and why, why is this the case and, and what can we do to be talking about this or to learn more about this so that we can prevent some of these deaths? Absolutely. And, and that's something that I, like, I wasn't aware that suicide among youth was growing. And as a parent, that's, that's mm-hmm. definitely something that, that's kind of opened my eyes up. So what, what is, as parents, what should we look out for in, in our children if they're, you know, warning signs, red flags or anything? And then also uh, to piggyback off that, what should be the next steps if we feel like maybe our children are suffering from from some type of mental health condition or issue? Right. So things to look out for. Um, one, there should always be some sort of open line of communication between and so if you feel like the communication, if there's some sort of barrier between the communication between you and your child or um, if the communication isn't that great, that is something to work on. Because the more that your child feels they can communicate with you, the more they'll feel comfortable talking to you about some things that they might be struggling with. Uh, but aside from that, so working on the communication, because communication is important. But aside from that, things to look out for is any change or um, shift in your child's behavior, really. Because with child, with children, they oftentimes aren't as expressive. They can't tell us how they feel sometimes, but it'll come out in their actions. And sometimes it might even come out in b- as bad behavior or uh, bad decisions that they make. Or sometimes they might withdraw and stay in their room a lot more. Those are things to look out for. And sometimes what I notice in the black community is when children do um, so bad behavior, we punish that. But sometimes we need to look at that and, and think, okay, is there something else going on? Um, are they upset about something? Is there depression here? Is there anxiety? Really kind of getting to the core of why these shifts are happening, why why the child is being different. Um, things to do, like if you become concerned or worried that your child's mood has changed or their behaviors or their actions have changed, I would, one, try to talk to your child, just, you know, start that open line of communication, ask them what's going on, ask them about their day, ask them about how they feel about their teachers and their friends, ask them how they feel about themselves. Really start talking to your child. That is the very first thing to do. And then after that, if you're still concerned, consider reaching out to a mental health professional. I think there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes it takes the help of someone outside of the family to really give us a perspective of what's really going on because sometimes it's kind of like the fish in water when we're in the water we don't see it but we really need that outside perspective who has that training in mental health and uh, psychology to give us some insight on what's going on and it's like you're the expert on your child the professional is the expert on the mental health and the psychology things and you guys work together to figure it out absolutely and with um Social media. And this this is something that I battle with as my son's 11 now. So as he gets ready to go into teen years, like what what's the balance? And this this is kind of more of a personal thing. But what's the balance between, you know, kind of snooping and how involved should we be in and looking to see what our kids have going going on in social media? Because my son, for one, asked if he can do a Snapchat account. I, I said, OK, but I'm checking the thing like I'm I'm all in his business. Um, so it, it's 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 a weird balance that I'm trying to find a strike because I don't want to push him away. But um, I mean, anything that you can shed light on with that. 
So that's a big question. And, and also, you're talking to someone who doesn't have kids. So like, I'm a psychologist, but I do not have children. So what I will say is that that is always going to vary based on the child and the family that you're talking to, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that, I would encourage the family and the child to communicate thoroughly about this. You know, if your child wants social media, y'all have to really communicate and be very open with your child about, you know, what your concerns are, what your expectations are. Um, be very upfront about your intentions with uh, checking on his social media because I don't think there's anything wrong with you checking up on that. But I, I sometimes see the issue where parents aren't as honest about, you know, checking mm-hmm. in. And so then it'll feel like an invasion of privacy for the child. So being as open about the intention, the expectations, the concerns, and you guys figure out what will be best in your family with, with regard to this social media. So one thing I will say is that um, the social media access or engagement for your child will change based on his development. So, you know, for example, 11-year-old's access to social media should be very different than a 16-year-old's. And so you want to make sure that once you set, you know, what the expectations are going to be for him at 11, be monitoring it and um, check in like yearly or, you know, bi-yearly to figure out, okay, well, how do we change this now to match where you are now developmentally? Like now maybe you're 13. Okay, so it's going to look different than you than it was when you were 11. We expect that because you're growing older. We're going to trust you a little bit more. We have, you know, different expectations for you. So how do we shift this? There still needs to be parental um you know, watching of this, but it's going to be different because you're older now. So, you know, that's something that the families figured out together, but being very open and honest with your kids about what you expect and what you intend to do, but then also monitoring and figuring out how it's going to change as they get older is important. Absolutely. And that, that's hopefully all the parents out there hear that. And, you know, I, I what I want to do with this whole podcast is help people that's basically why i started the podcast is to spread awareness on a bunch of other things and you know um not just mental health and not just politically but everything and this is something that's very it speaks to me as a parent and as um a brother my sister was actually diagnosed with being bipolar and that kind of raised my interest or my awareness of what was going on uh, and the statistics of stuff like that and so it's just something that i want to get out to everyone so i do thank you for joining me for this uh just to, to kind of end it well before we get to the end um if you if so for anyone who's listening to this if they feel like okay maybe i may be suffering from from some type of mental health issue or maybe i have a loved one who who after hearing this maybe i see some warning signs what's kind of the safe way as far as the entryway for people to go out and seek help if they're a little timid what would be the first steps you would suggest for someone Mm-hmm. Mm, for someone who is concerned about a loved one or for the person who um, who themselves needs to help? Both. Yeah, so if you are concerned about a loved one, I would say go have a private conversation with that person. Um, especially like you were saying, sometimes we are a little timid, we're, we're hesitant, we might feel the shame. So having a private conversation with that person and letting them know how you feel and what your concerns are, I think is a good first step and even better is to maybe have some resources for that person so they don't feel so overwhelmed when you come to them with this concern. So if you go to them and say, hey, I'm concerned, I've had these concerns, um, but this is what I think you could do and, you know, I can help you in this way. And so going to them with your concerns and some resources would be good. For the person who might be struggling with the mental health um, challenges and who wants to seek some help, 
The good thing about working with a mental health professional is that everything is confidential. As long as you are over the age of 18, you can go see someone and nobody has to know anything about it. That professional will not share anything with your family, with anybody, unless you are in danger. Then they might breach confidentiality and, you know, just to keep you safe. But the only other time that they will say something to someone else is if you ask them to do so. And so, you know, I know that there is hesitancy to seek help because, you know, sometimes we don't want people to know. But that, you know, just is innate within going to see a mental health professional. This is a very private and confidential thing. Um, and so I just would say that just to I hope that that encourages people to know that there is privacy in this and you can do this without anyone knowing if you don't want to. But I still encourage people to talk to their family and their friends about it because getting support will make this better. It will help. It will make this easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I thank you for your time. Um, I, I you greatly, greatly. You have no idea, especially considering I reached out to you. And you didn't know me from a can of paint on the wall. So I definitely <laughs> want to thank you for that. But uh, just tell the people a where they can find you as far as your social media and then also where they can find the um, a different perspective podcast. So I am on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those at Dr. Amber Thornton. Um, my website is www.dramberthornton. My podcast is called A Different Perspective Podcast. That's on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Play and it's on SoundCloud. Um, those episodes are also all on my website too. Um, so yeah, I just, I like to talk about mental health stuff. I sometimes I tweet about regular life stuff. Um, the podcast is mostly about mental health and some social issues integrated here and there because I believe that social issues also impact our mental health. So it's important to talk about things, those things. So that's where people can find me. All right. Well, thank you again. Um, yep. Hopefully you come back at some point and definitely check out the podcast because I've been listening to a different perspective for almost a month now. It's been really good. So Oops. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Shout out to Dr. Amber Thornton again, representing a different perspective podcast. Definitely go and check her out. Um, you know, I, I put out, um, some fillers for wanting to discuss mental health in the African American community. Um, because it's, it's something that a listener, or I think after my first podcast sent me a, um, a email about. And asked me if it was something I'd be, I'd consider covering. And at the time, um, and you know, that was months and months ago at the time, I, uh, I really didn't know much of the statistics involved in it. And as I, um, you know, did, did a little more research, reached out to a couple of doctors and, you know, tried to get that hammered out as far as to have who to have that discussion with. Um, Dr. Amber Thor, who's really busy, as you heard in the podcast, she's, you know, planning her, her, her wedding and all that and still took out time uh, to discuss this topic. And, and, you know, I, I hopefully you guys get a lot of it. Like I said, um, this was, this was kind of, uh, there was a lot in that, but to, to watch your guys palette and get ready for our next week, our episode next week, where we're going to, the whole thing is going to be built around mental health. And we're going to, well, we, we, we got into a lot of topics here. You got a lot of statistics. You got a lot of insight from Dr. Amber Thornton. Um, um next week we're going to crack it open even more, even wider and really deep, deep, uh, dig deeper into um, a few of the things that were touched on here, a few of the things that weren't touched on in this podcast. So looking forward to that one um, and how you guys take that one in. Hopefully, you know, this really set the mood for that. Um, 
like uh, again thank thanks and shouts out and check the description all her social media and um everything will be there so you can find her podcast and reach out to dr amber thornton if you do decide to um moving forward we're going to go ahead and get into the cypher uh, with the Andrew Bello talking about um, a rapper, we we both have a interest in that you know we 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 like a lot. You know the cipher we disseminate. Sometimes it's uh, artists against artists and how they stand. This one is just about a specific artist. We're gonna get into that. I'm on the other side of this music, which should start about now. I stole that trick from Andrew Bello. By 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 the way, um, on the other side of this music, you're gonna get me and Andrew Bello talking about music. gentlemen we are stepping into the cypher with a very special first time guest not to the awakened soul but to this segment specifically that is the andrew bello one of my best friends what's going on andrew yes most definitely not my first time on the awakened soul oh but glad to be back it's been a couple weeks we gave the good folks that listen to this fine podcast a little break but i'm back and we're going to talk about some music so nothing too you know nothing too crazy to start off with yeah, not too crazy to start off with, but considering everything that's going on, I'm sure there's a stay woke segment brewing very shortly. Um, and I know you you need your political outlet as well. I'm surprised you haven't like burst out the seams because you haven't got the chance to talk about it lately. Uh, I've been doing my best to just try to not let like let it get to me. Uh, we hit a we hit like critical mass a couple weeks ago where like I was literally like not sleeping, like just everything a buzz everywhere. Vegas hurricanes that's not what this segment's about we'll talk about that another time <laughs> yeah we'll talk about that another time we're here to talk about uh someone that i didn't even know as much as that we talk until uh, we were recording another podcast or another segment and it came out that you're a big little wayne fan and i had to give you the nod there because i'm a huge little wayne fan as well um and i know ralph from oversaturated the podcast is probably gonna grill me over me just saying that but oh well I mean, we'll talk about the man's legacy, but uh, th- before we, we jump into it, when did you first become a Lil Wayne fan? I became a big Lil Wayne fan probably 2005, so I was a little late to the game, don't get me wrong. I mean, I knew some of his stuff earlier, Hot Boys, you know, all that stuff, those variations of the cash money groups that he was in and involved with, uh, but the Carter two is really like when I came home and I was like, this is, this is my dude. And and little Wayne was in fact my dude for at least the better part of a, of a decade to follow really. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've listened to just about everything there is to listen to, but the Carter two is really, well, when it, when it came home for me, uh, money on my mind, fireman, like all that stuff, just awesome. So first couple of times I heard that I was like, I need to check out more. And so I did. Yeah, much like you. I mean, I, I didn't come in late because I was a big fan of the Hot Boys, um, but I was never really a Little Wayne fan. Out of that group, it was BG and Juvenile, who I was probably the biggest fans of. It wasn't until like Lights Out, I, I came around a little bit on recognizing just Little Wayne for the talent he was, but I still wouldn't call myself a fan. But when the first Carter dropped and I heard it and I played it all the way through, I'm like, this is a good body of work. But what put me over the top is much like you. The Carter 2, I think, is just such a, a well put together album from like I 
I, I struggle to think of a, of a song in there that I don't at least get some enjoyment out of. Of course, you have ones that are better than other ones, but like uh, some of the ones that didn't make mainstream, like the best rapper alive track on there, I absolutely love. More Mo Fire, I love that one. Um, Hit him up, I love it from from that album. Like it, I I love that that whole album. So uh, yeah, that's one of one of my faves there. But you know, let let's let's start at the top, and and I, we're we're not going to spend much time on it because I think when you really look, as much as the Hot Boys is associated as a big part of his career, it really isn't when you talk about his main his mainstream success. But we do have to talk about that era a little bit. I mean, he was signed to Cash Money Records at the age of twelve, was put together with the Hot Boys shortly after that. They were kind of a of a super group. So to say, even though none of them had released their own solo albums at the time, um, but just, you know, to kind of briefly touch on it, is there any one Hot Boys record that is, is one of your faves? No, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I wasn't really like, I just really wasn't into that all that much. By the time I got into Wayne, like I said, like Carter, Carter 2, I went back and listened to the Carter 1. Like that was pretty much the two things that I was really okay. zoned in on for that period of time anyway. But um the hot boy stuff i mean just like just uh, i remember seeing it like on mtv early mornings like i'd always wake up at that time in my life at mtv back when they played music videos and, and just to see what was hot what was out there like mtv2 or whatever the case may be fuse tv was a thing as well um but just hearing you know the, the early hot boy stuff like what am i thinking of uh drop it like it's hot like that that whole song that whole single um really wayne like one of the first guys to use the phrase bling bling like to the point to where like me suburban white kid all of a sudden i kind of knew what that meant all of a sudden so <laughs> um you know there was there was sort of uh an introduction to you know the to the hip-hop culture uh as somebody who kind of latched onto wayne as one of the early uh hip-hop influences as far as people i listen to a whole lot of so uh, just kind of the whole early goings. It was just, you know, Wayne's Wayne. He's just got, he's, he looks like an alien. He's just got like this weird sort of thing going on. He always, uh, not necessarily when he was younger, but he's just always had like a unique look, a unique sound, a unique flow. Everything about Wayne is just, you know, it, it, there's not, there's not a lot else out there like it. Yeah. I mean, the, the Hot Boys, I think, like the whole cash money thing at that time became, a movement like you said the bling bling like it, the whole way that they dressed and everything like it really affected the culture big time um at that time and you know i we won't spend like i said too much time on it but i definitely want to acknowledge that because that that's kind of the foundation and like i said cash money in general just became such a movement um but when when little wayne first started coming into his own i mean we had the block is hot which was his first solo cd that did go platinum he followed that up with lights out that went gold and then it was kind of just you know he had 500 degrees after that and then the carter and like i said that's when it, it became little wayne went from a cool act to me to a legit rapper like there was there was a, a change in his flow and his delivery a little bit around the time of the carter that i think I mean, it, it's still with him to this day when he's not doing the uber pop type stuff and singing. But um, it was a refinement, I think, of Wayne maturing as a as a man uh, around the same time as the Carter dropping. And that album is just it's just it's so good to me. Oh, yeah. No, when I when I finally went back and listened to it, I was just like, wow, what have I been missing? And the same thing with all of those albums you just, just mentioned, like 
look for me like because i started on the carter 2 all that stuff sort of pales in comparison with maybe the exception of the carter 1 is kind of close behind it at least for me personally but mm. yeah 500 degrees block is hot like all that stuff was was great i wish i had kind of caught on to it then because then maybe i would have enjoyed it a lot more but yeah you get to the carter um uh, you know from me editing my podcast that that uh, bmjr like that whole verse which is basically the whole song he's just going and going and going and i'm just like i'm sitting there like the first time i heard it just i'm looking at the time pass on the mp3 like in my car and it's like two minutes and he's still on this verse and i'm like god damn this guy can just go like and he just you know even songs like the beginning of the carter and the beginning of the carter 2 where it's just really him there's no hook there's no need it's just him just killing it for two three minutes at a time that's the stuff that really drew me in uh in addition to obviously the more well-known songs like like i said like like fireman like go dj like all that kind of stuff yeah i mean you mentioned fireman go dj like it, it was a time to where i mean he was popular i think uh, amongst the cash money fans of, of that whole movement but when he started to transcend that and get mainstream like l- the guy had 12 singles on the billboard top 100 concurrently con- at the yeah. same time that's wild to think about oh yeah i mean he was doing work with everybody and and this was still i mean we're still in like the early 2000s by the by the end of the the aughts i guess we call them right towards the end of 2010 ish like he had literally collaborated with everybody who's ever been anybody uh like up to weezer like you know like he was just he was just doing crazy stuff with just about everybody having the the solo success he was having everybody wanted him on their track and you like couldn't turn on a radio back when people listened to those things still without hearing little wayne's voice like on any hip-hop station it was it was amazing yeah i mean like you said if you didn't have a verse from wayne on your album or your mixtape it was almost looked at like hey you, you didn't try hard enough um now do you think that did that like contribute to oversaturation at all because for me personally i i, I feel like that that way with drake now like there's a there's uh, there's a, a threshold where I'm just like, okay, it's too much Drake on the radio right now. But I, I can honestly say maybe it was it's because he had so many different flows and he changed his style depending on the type of record he was making. But at that time where he was constantly on the radio, I, did, I, I never got bored of it. I didn't feel like it was oversaturation. No, I didn't think so either. As a matter of fact, I remember unless there was, you know, people doing a whole lot of this before him, he was like the first guy that like you couldn't avoid him. Like they, it got to the point to where Carter one dropped, Carter two dropped, and then all, all of a sudden, like he was on every album, at least for a song. And it, it, it was to me felt like it was like a really cool business strategy that this guy's like, you know what? I don't necessarily need to save all my best verses for my shit. Like, yeah, he gets compensated, obviously, but still, uh, you know, just to go out and just do stuff with with rock groups, with other rappers, with rap groups, with r&b singers you know uh just and anything and everything uh, I, he might have a song with like willie nelson for all i know like the guy was just putting in work and it was a pre- you know it was something i appreciated a lot that he, he could have just sat back and collected but he was just pushing and pushing and pushing and yes he was making more money by doing it but i, I don't know man it was just something admirable about how he could not find a beat he didn't want a rap on and it got to the point to where anytime i heard a fresh new beat that i hadn't heard him on yet i was like oh i can't wait till the next mixtape drops because you know wayne's gonna do a verse for this if he doesn't just do a whole parody version of the song uh that's that's really where a lot of my my love for wayne falls into is 
is like Drought 3, like where he just completely murdered every awesome track that was out there. I mean, not maybe not murdered all of them, but that he at least kept it entertaining for two CDs worth of music. Like it was just uh, to, to hear him just jump on, you know, just jump on pretty much any old track and, and just kill it, whether it was better than the original or not. Really, neither here nor there to me. It was entertaining. It was Wayne. It was one of those things like I was telling you about, like, you know, to me, one of the worst Wayne tracks is still probably a lot better than the best other people's tracks because I'm a fan of his and I like listening to the voice, the swag, like everything about him is just so unique. You're not going to find it anywhere else. So by all means, Wayne, kill all the tracks you'd like to kill as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, you you mentioned some of his mixtape, like the dedication, the dedication to the drought like oh yeah he he's had mixtapes that have sold so well that they charted on the top 100 i don't i don't really know many artists who who've done that like like for example the dedication three charted it reached the peak of number nine on the top 100 wow. a mixtape yeah. of yeah. nothing but digital downloads and that was that was in 2008 so that was before the um albums were mainly downloaded like they are now like that's just crazy think to to think about um to get back into a little bit more of his stats though he passed elvis for the most one top 100 appearances as a solo act he's also had four platinum albums out of 13 albums and that that mixes solo in in group albums which that number i was surprised that only four of his yeah. albums were platinum that 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 was surprising to me a little bit. Which ones? Was it the four Carters? Let's, uh, let's, let's see. Let me go back. It, oh, you so said the... He had the first one to go platinum was the Block is Hot, which was his first album. The Carter yeah, okay. 2 went platinum. The Carter 3 went platinum. And the Carter 4 went platinum. Everything else, okay. gold. Wow. I can't believe the Carter 1 didn't go platinum. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like when you got to when you got to the Carter 2, that was like at the point to where like even I was picking up on it. So like it had hit pretty big mainstream at that point. It wasn't, you know, uh, just off in the hip hop circles anymore. It had it, it hit more or less, you know, pop status because it, ju it just was so popular and so everywhere. And like I was going to school at St. John at the time i couldn't walk past the dorm without hearing little wayne being like blasted out of one of the windows or whatever the case may be so it was uh you know it was that that that, that to me is still really amazing though that he's only gone platinum on four of those that's that's crazy yeah yeah i know like i, I when i was doing my research getting ready for this i was surprised about that as well i'm like what the hell i, I expected it to at least be five or six but um yeah, that, that's just wild. But um, we talked about collaborations before. What's your favorite Wheezy collab song? All right. Well, this is another sort of thing. Uh, favorite collab song? See, that's tough. Like, I, I, I like all the stuff he did with Juel Santana. Like, he's another guy that I caught on to, like, right around this time, probably because of the work he was doing with, with Wheezy and whatever the case may be. I just kind of jumped onto him. I, I I had, like, a friend freshman year at St. John's who, like, swore he knew Hellrell from Dipset. So it was like, I, I'm sure he was lying now, but it was just one of those <laughs> things where, like, we, we kind of latched on me and my group of friends. We, we were big into Dipset. We were big into, into Little Wayne and Cash Money and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but as far as like favorite song with a, with another artist, I don't know. I mean, that's 
that's really tough. I have so many random ones that I really like. Like, I really like that one Carrie Hilson track that he did with her. Oh, man, with the Turning Me On was the name of the oh, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, that, that kind of thing. Like, that was the stuff that I really liked from Wayne is that he would turn a song that I would otherwise never listen to into something that I'm going to play now a hundred times in my car. I would have never picked up a Carrie Hilson album ever unless Little Wayne had a track on it. So, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's one that pops into my mind immediately. But as far as, oh, man, as far as best overall collab I, I can't even i can't really put my finger on one he's just been on so many yeah it's so <laughs> so many he has been though. on so many um mine would be just because i i know this is no love with eminem oh and I think yeah that's one of the songs that i don't i because that's when i kind of i didn't listen to radio so i don't know how how big it had gotten on the radio or anything but if you listen to little wayne's verse on that yeah. song just a on a wordplay level like i i love that verse so much so that, that that's my favorite of his collaboration i think him and him went hard on that track yeah that's that is a great track and that's a good one i'm like I, i'm losing track really of which songs were his which songs weren't his there's just there's so much stuff there was a period of time to kind of get back to the mixtapes where like i literally had 50 of them and i wouldn't be surprised if at least 40 of them were just nonsense mixtapes that some random DJ clipped together and put like vocals over other songs. Like it just got to the point where I had basically an iPod full of little Wayne tracks, um, which, you know, ultimately I had to shave down at some point because I needed to fit other music onto it somewhere down the line. But it was just every, everything like even, even uh, on, on Jewel's CD, um, the, the, the one track, make it work for you and young Jeezy's on it too. Like that first was like one of the first things I'd heard him on somebody else's stuff. And I was like, wow, he could, he could do it all. Like he could do his own stuff. He could do other people's stuff again this is all like as as i'm picking up on it in 2005 a lot of it's like a learning experience i'm just picking up on what a lot of people probably had already known for some five plus years at that point but yeah i was i was taken immediately it, and, and like i said carried me for the better part of a decade i rode with wayne up until he started thinking he was like a rock star and singing all the time and but but up to that like everything that he put out for a good five to ten years was just money and literally money young money if you will <laughs> yeah young money um and then like um 
Little Wayne did a verse, and I don't think this was like an official remix or anything, but he did a verse on Mario's Cry Out For Me. If you haven't heard that verse, go back and listen to it, because it's another one of his dope verses. I just had to throw that in there. But um, let, let's get into, I, I know I sent you a kind of an outline. We haven't touched on really any of that outline, unfortunately, <laughs> yet. Um, but where where does Little Wayne, like, uh, with his legacy, where does his career stand for you as one of the best? See, it's one of the best. I, I'd, I'd maybe give him like top ten, but not top five. Like somewhere in that neck of the woods. I, I can't really. My personal hip hop tastes are somewhat limited as far as like what I know. I know very well. Oh, but the, uh, I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of guys out there that I'm just unaware of or just don't know enough about to where I can't really speak intelligently about like a top ten. But I mean, just looking at it from overall success, um, he's got to be what the third most successful fourth most successful rapper in the last 15 years I, I mj kanye him drake maybe obviously now but even drake still maybe has a little bit more longevity to tack on before he quite hits where wayne was at his peak um yeah i mean th- th- i guess that's that's my best assessment so overall somewhere in the top 10 maybe not top five but in the last 15 years definitely top five so and so for you top is jay right is, is or that is that assumption on my part Jay-Z's no 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 one? yeah jay jay-z is my number one yeah i think i think he's my number one objectively and subjectively i'd have to i'd have to put jay up there yeah and i mean it's it's all subjective music is all subjective so um yeah i, I try not to criticize unless we're, we're in a debate about top tens i don't really criticize anyone's top 10 because it's all about what music means to you music such a personal thing um but let, let's let's get into the legacy that it leaves behind and well not leave let me not say leaves behind that sounds morbid like the man is dead um but <laughs> we're still trying one, to drop the carter five. Oh yeah yeah <laughs> we'll, and we'll get into that but yes, uh with with the drake and Nicki minaj specifically like Nicki's someone who had floated around she did some stuff with gucci man i don't really know the ins and outs as far as like it, where she was signed to before then but he really put those two in the public eye i mean Let's not forget it. And I don't want to take it away from what Drake had to do himself. But Lil Wayne helped get the guy from Degrassi now to one being one of the biggest acts in hip hop. And I don't care what anyone says about Drake's lyricism or well, he's not a lyricist, his wordplay. Um, but th- that doesn't happen, I don't think, without Lil Wayne taking a liking to Drake and, and an investment in where his career was going. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, they're they're. There was a lot with Drake, obviously, that, that Wayne caught on, on to him clearly before anybody else did, because if anybody knew what he was going to be, they would have latched onto him for all he was worth. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, it was just like the first time I heard Drake was on like a Wayne, I don't know, mixtape album, something along those lines. And same thing, same thing with Nikki, for that matter. She was I think the first time I heard her was on the Drought 3. There was like a track, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. She had some rhyme about something about Harry Potter. <laughs> like that just sticks out of my head but yeah like that was i was like who is this chick and then sure enough like you know five years later it clicks with me like oh that's the same girl from you know from from the drought three from that one track or whatever the case may be so yeah i mean wayne wayne was so hot that anything he touched he had kevin rudolph selling records like I, some of you are going who the let it rock guy like that guy he had him selling records no one has heard from him since so like there, there's definitely something to that um but i mean yeah talents like like drake and and nikki were definitely gonna make a splash no matter what but but wayne bringing them to the forefront and really like little um 
rather Nicki Minaj is just very much a female little Wayne in a lot of ways she's just got that over the top character um that she, it's almost like a wrestling persona the same way that that like Wheezy is to to little Wayne uh, um you know for for lack of a better way of putting it but yeah they, they're just these over the top people people in general but then even more so in their music in their art form in their music videos all that sort of stuff uh Drake's very much more kind of calm and straight laced at least you know from from face value anyway um but yeah look the, does drake ultimately become a success maybe probably but he definitely got there a hell of a lot faster being attached to little wayne especially at that time yeah i, I mean it definitely uh little wayne the businessman i think that that i think that goes overlooked a little bit mainly because he he's had baby in his corner for so long and i think some of that is attributed to baby and i i honestly think little wayne's a way better businessman than a lot of people give him credit for i honestly oh, think yeah. a lot of and people doubt how smart little wayne is because he does he, he he says some absolutely idiotic things like he he does and he plays into his persona a little bit too much at times but when it comes to this music industry i think he's a very smart person go ahead no it's almost like i was actually going to use this to maybe try to segue to where we were ultimately going but yeah i think a lot of his relationship with with birdman has everything to do with how he ended up taking drake under his wing in a weird sort of way like now drake doesn't i don't know drake's parental situation but wayne didn't really have a father present and baby kind of took him under his wing and then you know wayne looking to try to basically be model himself after him and become not only a big name in hip-hop but in the in the business end of the industry as well he's looking for somebody he could take under his wing and sure enough he he stumbles upon this young canadian named aubrey and he turns it into like a billion dollar enterprise um you know it's it, it, but I, I don't know that he ever actually thinks to do that if it wasn't for his relationship with Birdman. I can definitely understand it as well. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely picked up on things from Birdman, but I think he's a he's a businessman in his own right. If he can only, you know, get get the the, the Carter four five to us at this point, like I, I I need that. But um, let's let's get into that now. I, I know when we talked about this, I know you weren't as familiar with the situation going on, and I, we haven't talked about it since then to know how caught up you are, you are on it but i mean as it stands right now there's a battle for lack of a better term going on between baby and little wayne seems like little wayne wants out of cash money which just seems weird because he spent the majority of his life signing the cash money I and mean, as i said earlier he signed there when he was 12 so yeah. like what do, what do you make of that so as a little wayne fan what do you make of that situation you know what it's really funny because i didn't know a lot about this situation and then when i looked it up i was like oh this is exactly what i figured it was going to be is that even back in when you know when wayne started getting really really big and he started the young money label which was basically from my understanding sort of like a subsidiary of the cash money label which is really a subsidiary of universal it i knew that shit was gonna get messy eventually i i didn't think it was gonna you know maybe take 10 years for it to ultimately pay off but you know uh, when, when you're when you're under you know when when you're the underbrand and let's face it young money at a certain point outgrew cash money to the point to where it was more recognizable uh, Wayne was the bigger star, you know, as, as, as much as cash money made that happen and Birdman was the, was the face of that. And, and, you know, ultimately Wayne outgrew that relationship and outgrew the brand. He became bigger than cash money and young money. And so when he ultimately was going to want to take young money and his shit with him, like, you know, this was going to get messy. You kind of hoped maybe against hope that because he does have that familial type of relationship with baby that they, that they would be able to work it out. But clearly that's not the case. And 
Um, you know, if I'm baby, I'm probably a little bitter. I probably want to hold on to what I can hold on to. At the same time, it looks like from what I was reading, there's a little bit of maybe some backdoor kind of collusion going on between cash money and universal where they're like rewriting contracts to keep young money properties either on freeze or under their umbrella or um, that they don't need to get paid quite as many royalties even going retroactively it's that's that sort of stuff is really messed up to me like look if you're if you're baby and you're entitled to what you're entitled to uh, i feel bad for wayne because he probably had more to do with the actual production and creation of it and it's his but it's not you know i feel bad for him it's the same thing with matt hardy that we're dealing with in wrestling right now but if the contract says you don't own it you don't own it and it's like you're a little wayne you could branch off and start any label right now and as long as you can maybe find one or two young talent to build around you you're gonna be just fine so i, I want the carter five is is the deal that the carter five is in the can and they just won't release it is that what i'm getting that's what i've been able to put together too now it seems like it's been recorded for a while too so at that point it's like uh, even if they do put it out, it's probably going to be dated, so he's probably going to have to re-record it. But yeah, it seems like it's been recorded for at least a year or two, if not more. Okay. Yeah, see, that's what I was picking up, too. And that's even more of a bummer because, you know, as great as it probably is, you know how rap is. Everything's sort of like dated references and that sort of stuff. Like a year late, he's like... He's probably rapping about how Trump's not going to win the election. And, <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? Like there's certain there's certain things that there needs to be a timely aspect to it. And as great as it may be, and as much as we'll appreciate it from the artistic value of it, it's definitely going to lose a little bit of luster coming out 18, 24 months after the fact. Yeah, and that's yeah. hurt, and that's hurting Birdman. If he's got any claim in this, like he, if he's supposed to make any money off of this, he's making less every day. He doesn't let this thing get released, so he's kind of biting off his nose to spite his face in a way. Yeah, it's 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 everybody's losing money on this, and and I'm sure that they think it's that it's just building up anticipation. Eventually, they get it worked out, and it seems like like it seems like even over the course of this, Baby and Little Wayne have gone from having times of reckless city. Oh God, what's the word I'm trying to say? Of uh, <laughs> I hate it when I get tongue. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> of reconciling. Um, there you go. But um, because it, like at some point, even after Lil Wayne dissed Baby on on a song, it seemed like uh, well, they were seen in a club together like partying and and so i mean of course they have their father-son relationship so as as much as my dad gets on my nerves sometimes and we've had it out like that's still my father maybe that's what it what it's looked into i don't know but hopefully they get this worked out um at some point because yeah i need the carter five i just i need that to happen even if it's his last album i don't care i need to hear it yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you, and I you know hopefully I don't know there was there were certain some Wayne albums towards the end I just definitely didn't tune into I think like after I don't know I definitely listened to the Carter Four I, I think maybe Rebirth then after that like once we got into some of the more obscure singing uh, T Pain type shit I sort of got away from it a little bit but um, yeah the Carter Five to me like there's something about the Carter brand like it's just those the four CDs are all amongst my favorites of his definitely. And yeah, I want to hear it, man. But at the same time, and we're wrestling guys, so I'll always throw this out there as a possibility. It could all be a work. They could be trying to make more money off of all of this. Let's draw out the interest for the Carter Five. I doubt it at this point because it has gone on for a while. But we've seen this in hip hop where guys kind of, you know, they, they kind of almost like fake feuds to try to raise each other's, uh, you know, album sales or whatever the case may be. We've seen it. We've seen it, I'm sure, to some degree between Jay-Z and Kanye a little bit. Um, obviously, it seems like that, that might be 
a little bit more legit these days as well. But even over time, there's been little rifts going on. And then these guys try to create tension and create controversy. Because as Eric Bischoff told us, controversy creates cash. And, you know, maybe there's maybe there's that aspect to it, because it's not like anybody's dying for the next Birdman album and Lil oh, Wayne, God. you know, you know what I'm saying? So Lil Wayne and Birdman between the two of them, all they got is Wayne, except for the money that they're making off of Nicki and Drake at this point. So if they want to remain relevant, maybe the two of them need to do something like this in order to draw some attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you hit the hit the nail on the head there. Um, I mean, that's it. I, I appreciate the time spent, Andrew Bello, but I know you listened to the cipher and I hope you prepared. I wasn't even going to warn you because I just I, I'm ex- I expect you to come prepared. But oh. You know, I like to end every cipher on asking the guest what five tracks would make this, the what five songs would make the track list of your life. Any songs, any genre. Go ahead. All right. They're all over the place. And this is just off the top of my head. I'm thinking of like songs that specifically kind of embody points of my life. So um, Money on My Mind, Lil Wayne would absolutely represent like most of my college years. Um, when I was in high school, I was a big fan of all like the emo stuff. So I'll go with Thursdays, my favorite band. I have their their logo tattooed on my chest. Uh, one of my favorite songs for the workforce, Drowning, which oddly enough also now describes my current life because I am in the workforce and drowning. Um, but from there, um, just random other songs I really like. Uh, the Cure, Fashion, Fascination Street, the mixed, uh, extended edition from the Greatest Hits album, one of my favorite songs. Iron Maiden's Hallow Be Thy Name. And if I had to conclude it with anything else, um, Jay-Z's Heart of the City, which is my favorite of his songs um, from the Blueprint, obviously. Okay, I, I I like that. Um, you know me and you, we trade music back and forth, and I and I I don't do this every cipher, but I like to leave stuff, and especially with someone like you that I know, and I know you. Uh, I, I respect your taste in music. I need you to check out Royce the Five Nine Layers. That whole album, just go ahead and check that out whenever you have a chance. I know I sent you like five albums like two you weeks did. ago, so and they, were, they were all great, and I'm working my way through almost all of them at this point. So yeah. Devin the dude. I man. will uh Devin the dude. Devin the dude. He is the dude. Yo, I fucking love Devin the dude. <laughs> yeah, I know music, man. I, I like to think I have a well-rounded music taste, but Andrew, tell the people where they can find you. I, I heard a Wayne Wayne was on Devin the Dude CD too. I happen to be I happen to notice that the other day as I was listening to all the things. He's everywhere. <laughs> uh, you, you, you could you could find me on Twitter for wrestling talk at WWPN Bello. You could find me for political talk, and I'm starting to become more active on that one than on the wrestling one, which is uh, I got to fix that eventually. Or I'm gonna have a damn aneurysm. Uh, but that's at the Andrew Bello T H E A N D R E W B E L O. All right. Well, thank you for joining me for the cipher. I'm glad we were able to talk about something that was purely fun, but be prepared. I'm sure a stay woke or something's going to happen. Like I got pissed off by something I saw with Ben Shapiro, not at him, but we'll, we'll talk about that off air. Thank you, Bello. Oh, no problem, man. Thank you. All right, people. That is another episode in the books. Now, I did promise on the last episode I was going to have an announcement towards the end of this about the details of Love, Lust, and Badass Soul. Those aren't as formulated as I thought they may be at this point in time. So, hopefully you guys don't judge me off that. But uh, it will it will be coming shortly. We're getting the details worked out and exactly um, how it's going to how it's gonna plot. Um, AJ, she's busy. I mean, she's traveling right now, the world doing her thing, uh, with her designs and 
she's just a, she's she's a very talented person who has a lot of uh, things and avenues that she's doing and you know I, I have this podcast as well as other stuff going on too um, but it will it will be out you guys will get it you will enjoy it because it's going to be amazing um, but nonetheless I want to thank you guys uh, for all the feedback and everything you guys have been consistently sending me and it's it's good to know that I'm doing this podcast and people are listening and getting enjoyment out of it I love hearing some type of feedback no matter what it is even if it's just a, a little hey keep doing what you're doing it does mean a lot and I and I can't drill that point home enough I want to thank you guys uh, for doing that I did I had a segment or a not really a segment you wouldn't call it i had a skit i guess so to say um from actually the andrew bello but we're gonna save that a little bit it, it, i i got it today hilarious um but i i think i have a plan built around it so i'm gonna wait to release that uh but you guys will get it for sure and it's gonna be hilarious when you do see it again i'm ceo hayes you can follow me on all social media platforms at C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. You can email me, theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing out to each and every one of you guys or hearing from each and every one of you guys. I want to say peace. I love you. Keep doing what you're doing. We are out. Straight from the bottom of the gut, I give it to these bitch niggas like mama taught me. One man with no weapon at war, but I'm an army. My flow is captain. Attention, Lieutenant, you've been in pension. And they demolished that invention. You better get your dollars up. And guess what? I was up. I get my cheese like Mickey Mouse or else you better die no duck. Like a shooting range target. I get all kind of bucks. Be my shooting range target, nigga. I got gold. Nigga, bye-bye, good luck Got your mama shook up Little badass nigga Who thought Papa wasn't tough I'm on that la-la, twist it up I'm on that syrup, slow it down And I like four freaks too And I ain't young jock, but it's going down I bought a marijuana field Then I just mow it down Big bad wolf, yes, I just blow it down No homo into Hollywood I will hold it down Like a circle of knives I got the sharpest blow around mm-hmm.